pronouncing it the Ukrainian way is an act of political recognition of the specificity of Ukrainian culture and civilization. I'm getting a language lesson on how to pronounce the capital of Ukraine, but it turns out it's a lesson in politics and culture, too. You don't use the colonial pronunciation and spelling because every empire represents the colonies to the rest of the world through its own mirror. This is Voices of Ukraine, a podcast from the Harriman Institute at Columbia University. I'm Masha Udenseva-Brenner, the Institute's media manager. Can you please introduce yourself and say who you are? I am Yuri Shevchuk, lecturer of Ukrainian at Columbia University. And can you also say that you're a linguist? I can very well say I am a linguist. I've been trained in uh, Germanic philology at Kiev State University, where I, uh, where I obtained my PhD in uh, English vocabulary studies and lexicology and lexicography, and MA in uh, theory and practice of translation. Today's episode addresses a question that many listeners have asked me. Why do I say cave when I pronounce the name of the Ukrainian capital? And if you want to know the truth, I'm not 100% sure. I grew up in the United States, but I was born in Moscow, and my first language was Russian. When I set out to do this podcast, I knew I'd be saying the name of the Ukrainian capital a lot. And I definitely didn't want to say it the Russian way. So I watched every instructional video I could find. The proper pronunciation would be Kyiv. So try it once again. Kyiv, Kyiv, Kyiv. Kyiv is the only correct option to say the name of Ukraine's capital. Kyiv, Kyiv, Kyiv. Kyiv, Kyiv, Kyiv. For obvious reasons, that only confused me. Then, a Ukrainian colleague I trust told me that cave was the way to go. But in the back of my head, there was always Yuri's pronunciation. K-E-U. 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 He'd recorded it for the New York Times a few years ago, and he's a known authority on these matters. I listened to that recording over and over, but I felt self-conscious replicating it. Then, after your questions and after hearing a dozen different pronunciations of the city's name while recording the podcast, I decided to invite Yuri on the show and settle this matter once and for all. So, I asked Yuri to break it down. And I learned a lot of new things from our conversation. The truth of the matter is that Kyiv should be very easy to pronounce for uh, Americans who speak English because, number one, the word consists of two syllables. The first syllable has the vowel e, which is positionally almost identical to e in such words as pit, lid, uh, tid. The second vowel is uh, slightly higher elevated than the e, it's e, uh, and it exists in such words as meat, lead, feet. So the opposition of the two vowels is very clear for English. All that, and we're still not done. Just one more sound to go, the one we pronounce in our alphabet as V. And finally, what you need to know is that in the Ukrainian language, the sound F is alien. It exists only in foreign borrowings, and there are dozens and hundreds of foreign borrowings. And in languages like Russian and Polish, 
in the final word and final syllable position, v legitimately becomes f. So that's why Russians would say Kiev, and, and so would Poles. But in Ukrainian, that interpretation is not available because f is not available. So Ukrainians go in the opposite direction, and instead of devoicing it, they vocalize it. And so v becomes a short u. So Ukrainians say Kiev. So it's a lot of information to pronounce just one, one two-syllable word, but if you practice it, uh, knowing all this, Kiev, uh, it becomes very, very easy, Kiev. Well, I listened to your New York Times recording and tried saying it, and I would say Kiev, Kiev, but then, then I got embarrassed. It, no, you say it very well. I don't see anything wrong with the way you say it, other than uh, self-doubting. <laughs> So instead of cave, I should say KU. KU. Just make sure there's no F at the end, but a short U. The same with Kharkiv, Lviv. It's the same thing. It's the final, the, the final V becomes a bit a short, uh, non syllable forming U. Kharkiv. Kharkiv. Great. Nothing to add. Lviv. Lviv. If you listen to Ukrainians speak, by that, by how they interpret the final V, you can immediately say whether the speaker is an indigenous Ukrainian or her Ukrainian is acquired. And so did you grow up speaking Ukrainian in, in your home? One can say that with a great reservation because the kind of Ukrainian I spoke was atrociously mixed with Russian and known otherwise as Surzik, which was a kind of a language of uneducated and careless speaker. But in official settings, one would avoid that for fear of being perceived as a yokel, as an uncouth and uneducated individual. So now I want to play for you the different pronunciations that we've had on the show so far. Kiev. 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 Uh, it was too fast, but I got the impression that almost all of them uh, uh, interpret V in 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 non-Ukrainian way, either Polish or Russian, probably Russian. Or, by the way, English does the same thing with V at the end. Interesting, because almost all of those people were Ukrainians. Why do you think it's pronounced so differently, and why do so many Ukrainians say it with the Russian V? I think it's a testimony to how uh, deeply Russian penetrated Ukrainian. And it's very worrying because the phonetic system is one of the most difficult to penetrate in uh, language contact. The most, e uh, the most easy one is lexical system. Words are very easily exchanged between two languages. But at the phonetical level, the system is very carefully balanced. And if you try to master the language, you, you will feel how once you master uh, a vowel or a consonant and many others are hinged on it. There's an interdependence there. So uh, off the top of my head explanation would be that, that it's evidence of uh, the deep penetration of Russian influences. But again, those were pronounced at a very high r speed. Do you want to hear them again slower? I'll just play one at a time instead of the mashup. Okay. But for the past ten, ten and a half years, I've lived in Kiev, the capital. She's trying to pronounce it in the, like uh, speaking English and then pronouncing it in the English speech flow uh, affects uh, the Ukrainian pronunciation. So that's unfair to them uh, because I'm sure that if they spoke it in Ukrainian text, 
that they would probably speak it differently, or not, not all of them would say Kyiv. So it's probably just the English context. Yes, yes that... exactly, yes. So do you think when I'm saying it in English, should I still use KU? I think yes, because the thing is that uh, pronouncing it the Ukrainian way is an act of political recognition of the specificity of Ukrainian culture and civilization. So you don't use the colonial pronunciation and spelling, because every empire represents the colonies to the rest of the world through its own mirror. So this happened to Bombay and Mumbai, as we know, and uh, the world didn't have much of a problem switching from one to, to another, to the best of my recollection. And uh, this happened to Pekin and Beijing. Again, no big hangover there. But Kyiv was uh, a huge hangover. It, it took 30 years and uh, impeachment hearing of Trump and then Russian aggression to make the world ask themselves, are we pronouncing it correctly? And uh, even you just said Kyiv. I have to be careful about that because when you speak English, a different set of phonetic rules affect your pronunciation of every word you use in the speech current, so to speak. So I have to kind of mentally stop for a second and make it doubly clear that it's Kyiv. And are there any newsrooms reporting right now that say it correctly? Oh, I say I listen to uh, NPR uh, on everyday basis, and, and there's almost a bit of a competition among the uh, you know, reporters and uh, anchors uh, in uh, the correct pronunciation of Kiev. And it's almost uh, unkosher to say it the, the old way, or if somebody wants to come across or perceived as being clueless, would still say Kiev. The, the Russian way. And when did language become political for you personally? Oh, the moment I was called a Nazi for speaking Ukrainian in Kyiv uh, at the age of 17. Uh, and I was very much in love with everything Russian. I absolutely loved Russian literature, poetry. I could, I could recite uh, Pushkin Lermontov, Dzerzhavin from memory. And I hated Ukrainian uh, literature, thinking that it was exactly the way they presented it to us at school. Primitive, very sad, all of it about being a peasant. And then when I went to Kyiv to, to study English at the university, and the moment I spoke Ukrainian and my fellow students started calling me uh, a Banderite, which is a variety of a Nazi, of course, that antagonized me. I faced the choice of either to become one of them and start speaking Russian, or kind of uh, rediscover Ukrainian in me with a culture that is not uh, a deficient uh, and, a, and a inadequate like I was told it was. Uh, and so I chose the latter. And those were uh, the end of 70s. That was uh, stagnation and uh, the worst of Brezhnev uh, era, very suffocating. And uh, the aggression against you in the street, when you had the, the temerity to speak Ukrainian, was palpable. You could cut it with a knife. It was so thick. Wow, I had no idea that the equating Ukrainian with Nazism goes back s oh, yes. so far. Oh, absolutely. There was this very typical formula. Why do you demonstratively speak Ukrainian? You could not speak Ukrainian in a neutral way. The, the very fact that you spoke it was perceived as an act of disloyalty 
and uh, a kind of aggression against everything Russian, as if you are not in your own country. On one occasion, I was asked again this question in an interview on television during already the period of Ukraine's independence, sometime in 2012. So someone asked you that on, on Russian media or in Ukrainian? No, in Ukraine, in Ukraine, on Ukrainian media, and the guy was Ukrainian speaker and uh, a kind of completely nationally conscious Ukrainian. But he still was infected with this kind of perception that if somebody never switches to, to Russian, and I don't believe in mixing languages. It's an, an easy and lazy way of speaking. If I speak uh, Ukrainian, I speak Ukrainian without trying not to insert English words in it or Russian words. And I sp when I speak Russian, I try to speak correct Russian. That's, the, to me, the, the kind of language ecology that should be uh, observed. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, that was the kind of uh, attitude that was quite recent, still uh, kind of ruling the field, so to speak. Has that changed palpably since 2014? Yes. Well, it started changing. And uh, I would never s switch to Russian out of principle when I'm on the territory of Ukraine. Even in the so-called naturally Russian cities as Odessa and Kharkiv. And much to my initial surprise, I would find strangers responding to me in Ukrainian and very often complimenting me for having uh, the courage not to merge with the environment. And so I kind of started thinking that these people are so pressured or terrorized into speaking Russian because if they switch to Ukrainian, they would suffer uh, a problem. But the moment they uh, come across a stranger like myself speaking Ukrainian and speaking it loudly without whispering, they respond in Ukrainian and there's almost like a, this kind of sick feeling of brotherhood. I, I call it sick because it's not a normal situation that you have to hide your own language in your own country. And what's the culture like in KU? I know a lot of people speak Russian there as well. Is it frowned upon or has it been, I, I imagine now obviously not, but has it been in recent years frowned upon to speak Ukrainian there? It was not frowned upon lately, but what I um, noticed over the recent several years was that your Ukrainian would often be simply ignored. You address a salesperson in a shop, in a supermarket in Ukrainian, and they answer you in Russian. And that would be a very frequent occasion, a very typical occasion. I would not allow that with me. I would demand being served in Ukrainian and being shown respect. Now people are becoming more assertive of their own dignity. Finally, they passed the law that made it illegal to ignore the customer's Ukrainian language. And the law obliges uh, everybody who works in a public sphere, catering to, you know, in, in the supermarkets and everywhere else to speak Ukrainian when the customer speaks Ukrainian. And there is all, also this new assertiveness among young Ukrainians, this kind of a new sense of cool to speak Ukrainian and to create in Ukrainian. There's Ukrainian rappers, very interesting Ukrainian films being made. There's a sense of 
completely unknown to me in the past language creativity when they start playing with language and kind of stretching it and pushing it and taking risks and uh, doing all, all kinds of things. Uh, Ukrainian slang is still tragically underdeveloped because it's all Russian slang. Fascinating. I had no idea that there wasn't really Ukrainian slang. Well, there used to be Ukrainian slang before the Holodomor, when millions of Ukrainians were killed. And then it just disappeared with the, the progress of Russification and the Russification of Ukrainian cities, because slang is most vibrant and thriving in urban environment as opposed to the villages. But now it's slowly kind of returning. At this point, Yuri had to run to meet a student but I couldn't let him go without asking one final question. Do you have a lot of family in Ukraine right now, and, and where are they? Yes, all my family is in Ukraine, northwestern Ukraine. They live very close to objects that Russians have considered strategic and uh, marked for attack. So I'm all the time worrying uh, about their safety. All males in my family are now in territorial defense units. Part of my family is uh, are refugees in uh, Germany, and the rest are still where I was born. They are planting potatoes and uh, onions, the way Ukrainians have always done. And how are you holding up? Well, holding up, hoping for victory, pray for victory and for, for the strength uh, of uh, Ukrainian people and uh, for the help from the West not to not to stop or not to diminish, but to grow, because Ukraine is fighting everybody else's fight. They, it's protecting the rest of the world from tyranny. Thank you so much, Yuri. If you're looking for ways to support the people of Ukraine, please consider donating to razomforukraine.org. That's R-A-Z-O-M for Ukraine.org. It was founded in 2014, in the wake of Ukraine's Revolution of Dignity, by Dora Chomiak, who's on the Harriman Institute's Advisory Council. The organization has been working directly with volunteers in Ukraine to provide emergency relief where it's needed most. Thank you for listening to Voices of Ukraine, from the Harriman Institute at Columbia University. I'm Masha Udensova-Brenner. This episode was written and produced by me, and edited by Ann Cooper. The music in this series is by Ivan Nebesny, who's currently in view. We wish him, Yuri's family, and all the people of Ukraine safety and strength. The cover art for this podcast is by Victoria Tentler Krylov. A huge thank you to Jordan Waller, Marko Andrejcik, and Nathan Schiller for their feedback on the episode. If you like the show, please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave us a review.